I'd like to thank my sponsors, Celsius, for making this episode possible. Stay tuned later in the episode for more info. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, and this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast. Today's guest is the CEO of Utrust, a company that is modernizing the financial sector and payments industry with cryptocurrency. Sonia had extensive success at fintech and e-commerce giants PayPal and eBay, but left the legacy system to carve her own path in cryptocurrencies and blockchain. In this interview, I plan to find out why she made this transition, how Utrust views institutional adoption, and what it's like to be the CEO of a crypto company. Sonia Khan, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Scott. Thank you so much. So before we dive into the questions, once again, this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast, where twice a week I talk to your favorite personalities from the worlds of Bitcoin, finance, trading, art, music, sports, and politics, basically anyone with a good story to tell. This show is powered by Blockworks Group, a media company with over 20 podcasts in their network. You can check them out at blockworksgroup.io. And if you like the podcast, follow me on Twitter. You need to check out my website, enjoy my newsletter. You can do both of those things at thewolfofallstreets.io. So now on to what's important. So as I mentioned before, Sonia, you were already at the upper levels of eBay and PayPal. Seems like a very, very comfortable job. It's a very comfortable situation. So why did you decide to roll the dice and enter the crypto space? Yeah, you're right. It was very comfortable. And actually, I wasn't really planning to end up in the blockchain or, or crypto space. Um, it was very um, driven by forces. So after spending a few years at eBay, um, eBay was a great experience for me. Uh, it's a great company. Um, I think it's a company where people don't really understand the company identity, but eBay is really a company giving, you know, human faces to their sellers um, and really helping millions of people to, to sell and become millionaires um, and really giving a human touch to their brand. Um, so after seeing like the e-commerce side, um, I went working for, for PayPal and what I found at the time, so I was working in the UK market as head of marketplaces. So my team was developing the marketplace payment solution for um, marketplace platforms, actually. Um, so when I saw really the complexity related to, to the ecosystem, the payment and the costs that we were charging customers, um, I really wanted to bring a change, um, a change in the sector. So I was researching companies that were using blockchain at the time. Um, I'm talking about, yeah, 2018. And mm -hmm. I found Utrust. And at the time, I just found a white paper of what uh, Utrust was planning to do. And I reached out to them. So I reached out to, to Nuno the co-founder on, on LinkedIn, and we had a oh, wow. very nice conversation. Um, and actually, um, Nuno flew over to, to meet me. So, so we met, uh, I flew to Milan as well. Um, we had lunch and I was amazed by him, by his vision. Um, so I started to um, advise Utrust at the beginning from an external perspective. Um, and then after a while I was like, what am I doing? Like, I really want to join this company um, because I really want to, to change things in the ecosystem. I want to bring financial freedom to people. I want to help companies to have a smoother system for payments, for international payments. So it was very, you know, a natural path once I met with Nuno and we established a relationship. Um, so we ended up working together uh, very, very soon. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love Nuno. <laughs> He's like the nicest, he really is the nicest guy <laughs> in the world. Um, so I, I have to ask you though, so you said, you know, you were, you were at PayPal, you realized obviously that there were some issues and that, that they needed to be fixed and you wanted to change the entire ecosystem. And then you sort of kind of glossed over, you said, so I started looking at blockchain solutions. So why did you start looking specifically at blockchain solutions? Why didn't you look at, you know, other legacy solutions or things that were out there? Yeah, sure. Um, so at the time, as I said, because I was working mostly with marketplace players, um, so marketplaces, they have a, usually a lot of international trade, a lot of international payments. Sometimes, you know, more than 80, 90% of their payments is international. Um, and I really believe there's nothing in the traditional payment space that can disrupt uh, cross-border trade costs and like speed and efficiency um, like blockchain. Um, and also for certain sectors like, you know, B2B uh, or more traditional e-commerce, um, a lot of international trade is really done via bank wire transfer, which is very inefficient. Um, the payment comes after a week sometimes. Uh, the seller cannot ship the items unless, you know, they receive the payment. So it was creating a lot of issues. And I did research um, a lot of, you know, tradi tra traditional solutions. There are some good companies out there, um, but nothing beats it. Um, so I did, I did my full extensive research until um, deciding, you know, uh, blockchain and, and, and then Utrust. It's funny because both of your former employees, uh, employers, I should say, are now kind of in the news for, for crypto, right? And it's like they're following you. But eBay uh, obviously has done a partnership with Lolly that I read about, um, you know, so they'll be offering rewards for, for purchases in Bitcoin. But then the big elephant in the room for the whole crypto space is PayPal now, right? So PayPal is offering uh, Bitcoin buying and selling, obviously, People have issues. You can't send it, and they're, they're, you know, it's not your wallet, obviously. But what do you make of the uh, PayPal move into into crypto? Yeah. So for me personally, it's not it's not a big surprise. Um, so still at the time when I was working at PayPal, so that was 2018, there was a team working on blockchain. It was kind of top secret, even in the company. Uh, so the team was obviously based um, in the US. Um, so we didn't have much visibility, but we knew that there was a team researching um, the ecosystem, which makes sense. I think, you know, every major uh, company should look into innovation. So it totally makes sense. Um, and then, you know, also PayPal um, in the last years invested in some blockchain companies. Um, so we knew that, you know, there was interest out there. They joined the Libra Association right. and then, they, you know, they, they went out of it because of mostly regulation. But for me, it was kind of obvious that, you know, they were trying to enter the space um, somehow. So... What I think, I think it's really healthy for the whole ecosystem because obviously when people massively see that a big company that has a lot of trust in the market is offering cryptocurrency that automatically gives more trust um, into the ecosystem for sure, um, 100%. Um, also because PayPal is going to make crypto available on their merchant base. So we're talking about you know, millions of merchants 
And today, um, merchants have a hard time in accepting crypto because they don't trust it. So I think this is going to give a lot of um, space, even to other companies like ourselves, to to right. to grow. Um, because I think you know it's the opportunity is, is so big. There is space for everyone to find their own voice, uh, their own strategy. I think, you know, what PayPal is going to do is entirely different from, from what we do. Um, it's great that they are entering the space, but I think um, companies like PayPal are built on legacy infrastructure. So for them, adding blockchain is another layer. Um, they're not blockchain native. So I think also the kind of customer they're going to attract is different. Um, but definitely it's great because they're opening uh, the space for more companies to, to join. Um, and I think that's really healthy because it's going to create more competition and only the companies who are going to offer a great service will thrive. Um, yeah. They're, and they're a mammoth. I mean, they're just such a huge company. I can't imagine that they're going to innovate quickly, right? And so it seems like that would be a huge advantage for someone like you trust because you're lean, obviously, and you can make quick decisions and probably beat them to it. I always sort of viewed the PayPal news as more bullish for like the price of Bitcoin because people would buy it like crazy who didn't have a place that they trusted to buy it. But on the merchant side, I, I, I just didn't see it potentially gaining so much traction on that side, maybe because I know you guys. So can you talk to, to me about what you trust is doing that's vastly different from what PayPal is doing and, you know, sort of like talk about your business a bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, just to add on top of that, I think, you know, I might be wrong, but for the way I see it now, I think the customer that is using, that is going to use crypto on PayPal is a traditional customer that wants to see like a flavor of how it works. Uh, so, okay, now PayPal is giving me this option let me try uh, like a small percentage or let me try one payment. But I don't think it's the kind of customer who fully understand the potential. Um, so might be wrong, but I currently I see it in, in this way. Um, so what we do, uh, we were born as a payment gateway. So at the beginning, when we launched our solution, we were a payment gateway and our uh, main target customer was the e-commerce uh, merchant or retailer who wanted to um, offer, uh, accept cryptocurrency as a payment method, but still continue to be paid in, in fiat, so euros, uh, dollars, GBP. Um, and how we were born as and who we are today is, is different. Uh, so today we are an ecosystem, a full ecosystem. So we cover, I'm going to talk a bit more about that, but we cover B2B2C, we cover B2B. Um, so really, um, it was mostly this year during COVID that we realized what we were, we were offering was only a small you know, portion of the total opportunity we could have. Um, and we were engaged by many businesses, mostly B2B, business to business, who wanted to find a solution to really you know, find a solution for the cross-border and international payments. Um, so yeah, we were born as a payment gateway. Today, we serve anyone who really wants to accept cryptocurrencies as a payment method, uh, continue to be paid in fiat, um, really decrease their payment processing fees um, up to 90% in wow. some cases. So yeah, that's the case where you have a lot of 
cross-border trade, especially across certain corridors. Um, and mostly, you know, you want to attract a new, a new kind of customer, uh, someone that is, you know, tech-savvy, wealthy, who wants to spend money, uh, you know, with cryptocurrencies. What we saw in 100% of our client portfolio, um, they usually have, you know, other payment methods like PayPal or Stripe or, you know, bank wire transfers. The, the customer paying with crypto is usually more loyal and they spend a lot more, uh, you know, double or, or triple more. So you really attract a new customer onto your, your platform. Um, in many cases, someone that would not otherwise go into your shop and buy your product or service. Um, and then we really sold for um, chargebacks as well. So because we don't use you know, credit card and debit cards, there's not that fraud cost associated to, to chargebacks. Mm -hmm. So for a merchant is great um, because on one side they continue to do their business as usual. They continue to settle in their, in their fiat currency, um, but they pay less with an efficient payment, payment system. Uh, they don't have any chargebacks and they attract a new customer onto their website. Um, and that's for B2B2C and B2B as well. Um, so, so it's really changing uh, the efficiency of, of the overall uh, payment ecosystem for, for anyone selling online. So the businesses that use you as merchants are savvier than the ones who would try PayPal, right? They, they're the ones who understand crypto, who are actively engaged, not like you said before, PayPal might be someone who never even knew what crypto was, is like, okay, I'll turn it on, but I'm not gonna promote it. And then on the other side, you get the customers who just want to spend crypto, so they're attracted to merchants that take it. So that's basically your the core. Yeah. Um, so I think merchants who work with us, they don't need to have a knowledge about crypto or blockchain. Um, so our solution is very like if I compare it to to the traditional pay, it's very like Stripe like. So mm. especially if you're using a plugin, you can just download it like WooCommerce and literally like in a few minutes you have it. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't need to have any knowledge about crypto or, or blockchain. Um, however, yes, it's right what you're saying, like merchants adopting us are the ones that for now they want to be pioneers in their own industry. Uh, so they really understand the potential of a new technology. So even if they don't need to understand it technically, they don't need to touch crypto, they understand the potential. Um, and also the merchants that will experience the best results with us are the ones that work together with us in terms of co-marketing. So we really think one of the things that is really our, our, our value prop is we work with merchants into building a co-marketing strategy that works for them. Uh, so we help them attract new customers. We help them to um, educate customers and yeah, the merchants that will experience the best results are the ones who will help us in this journey. It's interesting because one of the biggest criticisms, I guess, of cryptocurrency for the last, all the years since basically the Bitcoin bubble popped in 2017 is that it, it could never find mainstream adoption, right? It was, it's just a speculative space and the bubbles are going to keep popping. But you guys are really the front line of mainstream adoption, right? If we want people to use it, this is the number one way that that's going to happen. So what are you seeing in terms of mainstream adoption? Yeah. Um so yeah, first of all, maybe it's it's good to say that we are crypto agnostic. So yeah, we don't push one crypto over another. 
um, we will adopt in our gateway uh, whatever customers want want to pay to pay with. Um, yeah, remarkably, I think within <laughs> within all the merchants that we integrated with that were more traditional. Once they do that step of like, okay, I'm gonna be open to a new technology, they they see the results, so they really experience like a new revenue stream, new customers. So it's just a matter of education. It's just a matter of you know bringing more regulation, more trust in the ecosystem. Uh, I think you know this year has opened the doors uh, for for mainstream adoption in the next few years. Um, not only because of PayPal. Um, but because you know china um, central banks um, all of these institutional players entering the space um, everyone talking about it so i think the next few years are, are going to be huge uh, in terms of um, adoption i don't think it will replace traditional yeah. payment system in terms of payments but it's going to be a huge alternative um, and people realize you know the why now uh, so they realize that there is another way in terms of our um, buyers as well um, there is a large concentration of those that are in countries where they don't trust their government or where there is an inflationary uh, inflationary currency so turkey for example is a big market for us at the moment um, and i think that's going to grow more, more and more you think that there's going to be more markets where we have basically hyperinflation, more nations that have currency issues, and that will inevitably push them towards crypto-based solutions? Yeah, I really believe that. Really believe that. And there is going to be more, you know, mistrust from people towards governments to maintain a healthy economy, even in more developed countries, because, yeah, because of everything that is happening in the world. Uh, so that's that's going to push more people to uh, research more and find other ways, other um, alternatives. Right. And you're I mean, you guys are a global company, right? I mean, you're working with merchants in every country in the world, probably or, or soon will be. How do you navigate the regulatory landscape of each and every single country. I know just operating in the United States, you have to deal with every single state almost as if it's its own country. So how do you do that on an international level? Yeah, so the Utrust business currently operates um, by its operating subsidiary in Estonia. Um, so that gives us, you know, global reach. Uh, however, right now, we're not serving the US. That's going to be part of our strategy for uh, the next few months, the next year. Um, but we are global. But yeah, currently, uh, because we are, you know, a licensed entity, we decided not to serve the US market because we want to confirm to, to, to regulation. Um, and of course, that's really important for us. Um, and that's going to be part of our uh, strategy for for next year. Um, are, are there other places that you can't operate, or is it just like everybody can't do business in the United States? Which is what I find every conversation I have. Everybody's like, "Yeah, I'm not touching the United States." <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Maybe the UK, some people, but everywhere else seems fine. It's like the big global party, and we're not invited. <laughs> no, more or less, uh, the rest is global. There are certain countries where we cannot operate um, because of their uh, jurisdiction, but it's a very yeah, limited set of countries. The rest is more or less, um, more or less global. Yeah, I, I don't know why we have to be uh, so unbelievably difficult here, <laughs> but but I guess that's the way it is. So, do you think? So, first of all, you started 
with you trust during COVID, right? Or right before, or right, right after COVID, if I, if I'm not mistaken, do you think that COVID has accelerated adoption? That's, I guess, the first one, and then we can get into later what it's like joining a company during a global mm-hmm. pandemic and trying to build a business. Yeah, definitely. So I was at Utrust before, but in another role. Um, so I was doing, uh, I was managing partnerships um, before. However, I stepped into this role during COVID or immediately before COVID, like literally a few weeks before COVID happened. So yeah, obviously that was not something um, I expected to do, but then you need to rise to the occasion and yeah, you need to, to build a new strategy. So yeah, just to, to respond to your um, question more directly, definitely um, our business was accelerated by COVID. Um, I think the whole e-commerce business was accelerated by COVID for sure, right. because some people were even forced to buy online because they didn't have other alternatives. And then they saw like, okay, wow, this is actually easy to do. Like it's, um, it's relatively easy. Like, I don't know why I didn't do it before. So it's, it changed behaviors, I think, um, forever, partly. Um, and also I think among businesses, um, so without, you know, going into mentioning names, but the travel industry uh, took a big hit, of course. And we have some clients that um, became clients during COVID because they found the right time to really research for what else can they do during this time when this is over to attract new clients. Um, so, and not, not only travel, but um, in many other industries. So actually for us, the number of organic requests and you know merchants coming in and wanting to adopt a new technology grew, uh, grew exponentially uh, a lot due, during COVID. Um, and especially for also businesses that do a large part of their transactions um, internationally, cross-border. Um, we launched a new solution during COVID, uh, which is like a payment request invoicing. Uh, mm-hmm. in order for anyone to generate um, an invoice um, in fiat and to be paid in crypto. And you can basically send it by email. It's really easy. Um, and that's because, yeah, as I was saying, our initial solution was the gateway. So to have the payment gateway, you need to have an e-commerce store and you need to integrate it. So it's like integrated um, into your technology. But yeah, there are many people that just wanted to generate invoices, mostly like business to business. So yeah, during COVID, we launched this, this solution as well because it's something that the market requested. We entered new verticals. So we entered real estate, for example. Um, the other day we did a webinar about real estate because the amount of people now wanting to pay with crypto for a property is, is growing a lot. Um, yep. Not only to buy a property, but to rent. Um, so really for, for us, it, it, it accelerated uh, the business a lot. Um, but yeah, it wasn't easy in terms of like going from normal to everyone working remotely from their homes. And obviously, you know, that that was disrupted and the way we w- would work together w- was disrupted. People were used to, so our main office is in Portugal. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, our office is amazing. People really like to go there, to spend time, to have lunch, to socialize. So we really needed to adapt that in, into a new way um, of working. So that, that was the only 
thing that you know people really needed to adapt but in terms of the business it, it really accelerated you guys are in the perfect business for something like this to happen, obviously, with e-commerce and being an online payment solution. So do you think brick and mortar is dead? Like you, you, you touched on, you said there's all these people who, would, who just love to go to stores, right? Who would never order things online. My parents' generation, you know, they just love to go <laughs> yeah. in and touch things. And then found that, wow, I really like ordering something on Amazon. It comes to my door and I don't have to think about it. So do you think, I mean... Do you think we've seen a fundamental change in the way that people will spend money and shop? And do you think that, I mean, brick and mortar can survive? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think, um, obviously, yeah, many small businesses that depended, on, depended only on, you know, offline and brick and mortar, mortar will not survive. Right. Um, I also think that's forcing businesses to think out of the box. Um, so I saw many examples of actually small businesses adapting and finding new solutions to serve their customers and like totally disrupting and pivoting their business. And that, that's amazing. Um, so I think, yeah, part, part of the brick and mortar will be dead and not survive. Um, part of it will innovate and, and pivot. But I think, yeah, the, the feel rouge is really, you need to embrace online. Uh, so even if you're going to have your brick and mortar presence, now you realize that, you know, online is a fundamental part of your strategy. So you need to embrace it because otherwise, you know, you don't have other options because you don't know if there's going to be like a third wave or fourth wave or whatever comes in or, the future. Or, right, right. Uh, you, you need to embrace um, online. It, it's a fundamental part of your strategy. So I think, you know, that's the kind of change um, that I'm seeing, uh, really seeing it. Yeah. So how does the UTK token fall in? Obviously, you guys are not just, you know, uh, facilitating a gateway for merchants. You're active. I mean, you, you have a cryptocurrency that's a part of your business. So how does the, how does the token play into what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Nuno will be really happy uh, when looking at this uh, podcast because he <laughs> he's now in charge of like our token strategy and, you know, the, the strategy of the company. That's what he loves to do. Um, he's amazing at it. Um, so I'm sure you, you saw uh, the latest news. So we now have um, a new app, a new wallet, which is Hold, um, powered by, powered by Utrust. Um, and that was all thanks to Nuno. Um, and I think he had um, a really brilliant idea that our community loves. Um, so basically with Hold, there is something that gives an amazing utility to the token, which is the, the reverse staking. Um, so, and that's, that's the opposite of like the, the, nor the not the normal, the traditional um, staking, um, because the most common result of, you know, the traditional staking is an increase uh, in the amount of tokens in the circulation. And that means, you know, inflation uh, in the ecosystem. What we do is really we encourage the exact opposite of uh, with reverse taking. So with every single trade that someone is doing with, with hold, um, they will receive, you know, 1% one, 1 back uh, reward on that. So that really incentivizes you as a user to, to spend, to really use tokens for what their intended purpose was, which is to, to buy stuff or to trade it, to, to use it, to give it 
that's utility. Um, so it's really um, that that's that's the newest one. Uh, Nuno has a lot lot more uh, in the pipeline. He's very very excited about that. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's the newest one that that we launched in the market quite recently, a month there's ago. A debit, there's a debit card attached to it as well, correct? Correct, yes. So that, that's so interesting because you think about it, all these coins claim to be utility tokens, but then you stake them and take them off the market and you never actually use the token because you're staking it to, to earn interest and basically sealed away so it never gets used. So I, I, the reverse staking thing, it didn't click with me at first and then when I read through it, I was like, oh, that's really brilliant. It makes so much yeah, sense. Makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah, actually encouraging people to use the token as money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, it's like every time I sign into Twitter, you guys have announced like 30,000 new people who are <laughs> you've partnered with. How many merchants now uh, are you guys working with across the world? Yeah. Um, so not sure I can disclose the exact number, but let's say it's in the likes of hundreds, um, hundred, a uh, bit more uh, merchants. Um, so it's obviously cross vertical. Uh, so we serve multiple verticals from fashion to precious metals to electronics, real estate now. Um, so it's, it's really a diverse set uh, of verticals we serve. Um, globally and as i said yeah there's not a real concentration of the verticals that do work or do not work um clients merchants having the best results are the ones that you know really put an effort together with us of educating their customers about this new technology um and you know what what are the advantages for them to to pay to pay with crypto Unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about the DeFi craze in crypto. By far the safest and simplest way to passively earn in the space is to hold your coins on Celsius. You can earn your rewards in the same crypto you're holding, or you can earn even more in their sell token. Right now, I choose to earn 5% on Ethereum in Ethereum and 15% on my stable coins in sell token. It's a little bit better than the sub 1% interest rates you can earn in a legacy bank account. Celsius was founded with the belief that crypto is the opportunity to really shake up the financial system. They're changing the standards for all financial services. They share 80% of their revenue in the form of weekly reward payments. That's how their users are earning up to 15% APY with compounding rewards. They also commit to providing the lowest cost loans on the market. Their loans start at just 1% APR. For just 1% interest, you can borrow cash against your crypto and avoid selling, which also eliminates the taxable event. It's absolutely huge. High rewards on your holdings and low interest on your loans on a platform whose mission you can believe in. Celsius is giving away $20 to every new user who joins with the promo code WOLF. Just enter the promo code in the app during registration. $20 is awarded after 30 days of maintaining a wallet balance of $200 or more. Visit Celsius.network, that's C-E-L-S-I-U-S dot network, and use promo code WOLF, W-O-L-F. So I heard in one of the Utrecht videos that you said, you said something to the effect of we're entering a new era from startup to becoming a full scale business. So do you feel like that happened this year? Like you guys were really just a startup and now it's completely exploded? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. We were talking about it the other day with, with the leadership team, how, yeah, actually it changed everything um, this year. 
So uh, if I think about last year, uh, we were not even giving everyone the opportunity to self-onboard on the platform. So today, if you're a merchant and you just want to come on our website, you can self-onboard. You don't, need, you don't need to talk with anyone. Obviously, we like to speak with our merchants because we like to put in place co-marketing strategies together. We like to you know, really work with them to make our solution work with them. But if you want to do it on your own and you want something quick, you can come, you can self-onboard on any technology, um, either, you know, if you have whatever, Magento or WooCommerce or even with uh, custom APIs, you can do it on your own. Um, and that really changed everything for us because, yeah, it opened the doors for anyone to, to use our platform. Um, so yeah, we are now working with <laughs> lots of merchants, lots of customers. We have different solutions that we didn't have. Uh, so we have the gateway, we have the B2B solution, uh, we have hold um, and our company is growing. So we're going to you know, hire more people, obviously in, in different departments to be able to, to serve uh, the growth of the company. So, so I want to go back to something that we talked about at the beginning. It's really interesting. So you said, obviously, you, you wanted to go into crypto because the fees were so much less and it was you know less friction. And you kind of talked about the reasons for that. Why is it so much cheaper to do it with blockchain? And could these other legacy companies do it cheaper? They just don't want to pass on that benefit to the customers or are the systems really set up for them such that they can't make it much cheaper than it is? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's a good question about can they do it, right? Um, so, yeah, I think the why is because you cut, you cut out um, all the middlemen, all the middle infrastructures. Um, so usually, like, when you pay with a credit card, from the moment, like, you swipe your credit card as a customer to the moment that the money arrives in the merchant bank, there are at least five or six intermediaries in the chain and they will eat up, you know, their portion um, of, uh, of the payment transaction. Um, and also, of course, if it's an international payment, you pay a lot of like conversion fees or you are smart enough to convert your currency before. But anyway, you pay a conversion fee. Um, so I think, you know, that's the reason why with blockchain, you eliminate all of that um, middleman. So you're, you're really able to, um, to lower the costs, um, to really lower the costs. Um, and I think, you know, companies, um, not only like PayPal, but traditional companies, as I said, are, are built on legacy infrastructure. So for them, it's going to be super hard to innovate. First, because it takes them ages to bring a change and to really, you know, bring it into the infrastructure and, and change it. Um, so it's possible, uh, but it's going to take them uh, a lot of time um, unless they go and they acquire the technology from someone else, which is also an option. Also, it seems like for anything that I guess would be, I don't know if the term would be micropayment or I don't know what the threshold is, but anything that's less than, you know, five, 10, 15, $20 or something, if you're sending that cross border, you're going to pay a larger fee than the amount of money you sent, right? So those systems literally can't really deal with smaller transactions, right? Yeah. And I was reading something the other day that, um, especially now, you know, during COVID, a lot of people were sending money from, 
um, from the US to Mexico, like remittances where they have their families and they would send, usually they send like, I don't remember, it was like $200 per month. And in order to send this $200, they would pay $20. And I was like, wow. Maybe, maybe on both sides, like, uh, you know, your bank might charge you $20 to wire the money and then they might charge them $20 to receive it if it yeah. arrives whenever it might arrive. Exactly. I mean, it just, it just sat like, it sounds so obvious that all of these systems are fundamentally broken to me. I mean, you saw it from the inside, but like, why do you need five people to touch your money before it arrives? How is that even, how did that become the system, right? I mean, it just it boggles my mind. Yeah, me too. And I think, yeah, that, that's specifically the reason why I think, you know, blockchain and crypto is more being adopted in countries where there is mistrust in the government because they really see, like, it's obvious, like, it's there. Um, if you are a customer living in a more developed country, let's say, maybe you're not even thinking about these things because sometimes also payment providers, they obscure their costs. So if you're yeah. paying someone somewhere like, oh, it's free, you know, you don't see um, everything else that is hidden behind that cost. So you don't really question yourself, especially for a smaller transaction because, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, that, that will change because it's not, it's not sustainable. It's not fair. Yeah. So, so you're saying that none of us read the 30 pages of terms and agreements before we <laughs> sign it and check off, right? I mean, has any person in history ever actually read one of those from top to bottom? I remember the iTunes one was like the craziest one. If you wanted to buy an MP3 the first time, you had to read like a 30-page document. Yeah. It's just yeah. absurd. Yeah. And especially like, especially if you're paying someone in, you know, in, in a currency and that person needs to receive another currency, you don't bother. It's like, okay, I just need to send this. Um, so you don't bother, but uh, in countries where uh, it's different and there is more need, uh, you do bother. So that's why the adoption is starting more um, in those places. Um, but yeah, that, that's gonna change for sure. You touched on Turkey. Are there other specific countries where you've seen just an absolute boom in interest, you know, in accepting crypto because of the global environment or is it sort of bubbling everywhere at the same time? Yeah, it's, it's um, Brazil, Argentina, um, and also country, countries in Europe, of course. Um, mm -hmm. The UK is a big market for us. <laughs> As well. I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, I thought that some people say that the UK has just as difficult regulation as the United States, but glad it's not the case for you. <laughs> <laughs> not for now. <laughs> so so I, I, I'm curious. It's something that I read that was really interesting. And in I think it was in an interview with you, but um, that as a child, you were told that you were too ambitious, right? Uh, the term ambitious. What, is, what does that mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that interview that I gave. Um, yeah, so I um, I'm Croatian by by origin. So I I grew up in Italy, but I'm I'm Croatian, um, and uh, I was born in Bosn in Bosnia. Um, so in those countries, the role of a woman um, is still very traditional. So it's unlikely for a woman to you know, find her own path. 
she can have a job, but you know, maybe it's something uh, very, very junior because uh, the role of a woman is very much taking care of the family and you know, thinking about that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but that's how it's supposed to be like, that's the expectation. So, um, growing up, I always felt, uh, you know, I wanted something different and my mom always encouraged me, but, but really, you know, my, in my environment that was viewed as uh, weird and, you know, why would she bother if she can just <laughs> get married and, you know, have kids and why does she need to, to do that? Um, but yeah, actually that gave me more, more strength to just, you know, do the things that I, that I wanted and the things that I um, believed I, I was born to do. Um, and that doesn't mean that, you know, that way is not, is not good. That might work for other people. It just wasn't working for, for me. What were you doing that they commented on that was so ambitious? Well, I mean, you know, you were clearly, clearly uh, turning some heads with something that you were doing as a child. And that's what I was getting at. Was it a gender thing or was it like a family thing? But clearly in your country, it's a gender thing. But what was it about you as a child that drove that ambition, especially in a place like that where women weren't, you know, told you can be ambitious, you can do all these things? Yeah, I think it's because like I always knew I wanted to do to do more. Um, so even when I was um, a child, like when you would ask small children, like, what do you want for your life when you grow up? Like other girls would say, I want to have kids. I want to be a mom. I want to whatever, have dogs. <laughs> yeah. um, and I would always say, like, I want to change something in the world. I want to do something meaningful so that I can impact other people. Um, and that was weird for, yeah. <laughs> you know, someone in uh, living in my environment, because also in my family, I didn't have many examples of, you know, women, um, working with important jobs or really, you know, building a career. Um, so that's why it was viewed as like, okay, that's just weird <laughs> what she wants. That's so interesting. So at what point did you, I guess, leave that little bubble and sort of forge out on your own? Was it college? Was it before that, after? I think it really took me a long time to, you know, find my voice. Um, and even when I was at university, it wasn't really clear for me. So it was clear like, okay, I'm going to get a degree. Um, and then I have no clue what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure out. Um, and then I think during university, um, it became more obvious to me that I was interested in technologies and like how technology can be used to impact uh, society and human life. Um, and yeah, I think my thesis was around um, e-commerce companies and like how do we use e-commerce to enable glo global trade. So I always knew like from that point, like, okay, I want to do something that has to do with e-commerce and like making life easier for people to, to trade. Um, yeah. So I want to contextualize this question because I hate the differentiation between men and women in business. Like, and I, I was a DJ for 20 years. Right. And you would always have these lists and it would be like best female DJ. And I would be like, they're just DJs. Like, why, why is that a different category at all? Right. I mean, it's just that they have more skills than some of the guys, they should be on the same list. 
but we don't run into many female leaders in the crypto space, right? It just seems like, I don't know if there's a, if it's a ceiling or just not that many women are interested, but I, what is it like being one of the few women in this space that's really forging forward of one of the few CEOs in this space? Yeah. It's not only crypto. I think it's like, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I think actually, I think in crypto, there are more women than in fintech and tech in, in general, um, but still not, not many. Um, I think it has to do a lot with, um, you know, since you're a kid and then you need to choose where to go to university, you usually do what your parents did or, you know, where right. your family is redirecting you or society. So I think, you know, it's on us to give the example that actually you can build a career um, whenever you want, wherever you want. You know, you want to go in tech, it, you can go in tech. You want to do marketing, you can do marketing. Um, and it's really not doing what you're expected to do or what it's, you know, supposed to do. You can, um, you can find your own path. Um, so, I, yeah, I think a lot has to do um with that and also one thing that i noticed not in crypto but i think in general like in in, in tech companies is hiring by association so because a lot of these businesses are um you know male driven you tend to hire someone more similar to you right uh, and that's the reason why many companies paypal as well ebay now they have chief diversity officers so it's someone that comes in and says, you know, actually your team will perform better if you bring someone with a different skill or with a different point of view or someone who leads with more emotions rather than um, whatever data, someone that is just dif different to complement your skills. And yeah, I think that's also one of the reasons. And I was lucky enough to to meet Nuno and me and Nuno are completely complementary. So that's why we work perfectly together because what I have no clue, he knows perfectly and, and vice versa. And I think that's why our business is successful because we bring what is needed, but I don't need to know what he knows and vice versa. And we trust each other, uh, but I'm completely different than him. Uh, and he's completely different than me. That's so interesting because I think when you think of like the chief diversity officer, you think of someone coming in just saying, there's not enough women, go hire women. But that's not really what you're saying. It's more, it's kind of like having an investment portfolio and trying to find, uh, and trying to find assets that offer a different risk profile, right? Like diversifying your assets so that if, you know, and it's also like social media. It's basically like people form an echo, echo chamber in their business and they hire people who agree with them. And then you end up with this big echo chamber not seeing the other side. I just never thought of it sort of that way. I really thought of it as just like, there's not enough African-Americans working here. There's not enough women. We need to go do that. Like sort of the affirmative action model, but it's so yeah. brilliant actually. Yeah. So like hiring someone that fundamentally disagrees with you, but is smart is probably a better hire than someone who just thinks the same way as you. Yeah, exactly. I don't see, I don't like when people say like, oh, there are not enough women, so we should hire a woman. I think, you know, when you look at that, at the perspective, okay, we don't have someone with these skills. Okay. Who's the best person that we can bring in, bring in to, to fill them regardless of whether, you know, that's a, a woman or, or a man or, you know, coming from whatever background. And then I think if you think about skills, you will naturally end up with 
a diverse environment because you need diverse people with different skills. Um, yeah. Is that something that you think about as you now scale up into a bigger business and are hiring in all these different, because I mean, you're, you're probably hiring in five, six, seven, ten different departments now, right? Yeah, we're going to be hiring uh, a few people now. And I think what's great now is that everyone is remote. So we can hire someone basically anywhere. Um, and in the past, I think, you know, we were biased because that's a bias by saying we need someone in Portugal or in, you know, proximity so they can be in the office. But now it doesn't really matter. Like that person can come to the office every couple of months and they can work perfectly fine um, in another country, in another location. And what matters is the, the expertise that that person brings. Um, but for me, like more than expertise and like specific skills, it's about what's your, re why do you come, why do you wanna work for, for Utrust? Like, why are you passionate about this? If you're not passionate, even if you have the best skills, like I don't care, we don't want you in the company because skills you can build, but passion is something that you have. Um, and when you're passionate, you will, you know, think about things differently. You will want to listen to your customers. Um, I don't see myself as someone different from my team. Like I'm the CEO, but I'm still in calls with the customers because like I want to know what they're saying. Um, when they do research and they uh, call merchants, I want to be there because uh, I want to know what problems they have or why they're happy about my product. So yeah, that's the kind of people we want to have in the company. Um, and skills, you can always coach people to have skills. You know, right. you, can pay, you can pay them a course if they need to. Uh, but if they're not passionate, yeah, it's, it's not going to work. You talked about that you deal directly with your customers. You're there when people are talking to the merchants. What are the biggest points of friction for like a merchant who maybe has a superficial knowledge of crypto or none at all and wants to do it? Where do they like, where's the sticking point that you have to kind of push them through? Yeah, I think it depends on where they are in the funnel. So I think, you know, if they haven't integrated with us yet, they might have they might be scared about, okay, this is going to take me ages. How do I do that? If I, if I don't have like a technical person doing this, this is too complicated for me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the main fear um, that we help them navigate with. And actually they see that it takes them like five minutes uh, to do that. Um, and we can help them to do. Um, I think the second stage is how do I educate my customers about this new service and product that I'm having on the platform? Because if I'm not a merchant that's selling um, blockchain services or something related to crypto, my customers might not be that crypto friendly. So how do I help them understand? And that's where we help them. Uh, we co-market with them. We can produce content together. Um, and then, yeah, the third one is how do I attract the new customers um, as well to my platform? Um, that's where we help them as well. So next week, I'm, I'm going to spend a lot of time interviewing a few of our merchants because uh, I okay. want them to be visible on our website. So, you know, they can speak about their product, their service, what they do, and they can say, okay, and now we offer crypto payments as well, and we're going to promote them to, to our audience. Um, so yeah, that's, that's cool. 
real things. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get your hand held like that by PayPal. You know, they're, they're not going to value you probably as an individual merchant and customer. So I would say that's obviously a huge advantage. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's not related to your company size because, um, and I think PayPal is a great brand and I don't have anything against, but, you know, when, you're, when you look at eBay, uh, eBay is huge, but still the eBay business is built around um, giving a voice to the merchants. And they celebrate every month. Like what I loved when working at eBay was, you know, every week, every month, there, there was a celebration about who are the new people that or businesses that became millionaires because they started selling on eBay. And cool. uh, yeah, and then the CEO would go and like in their garages or in their homes and like they, they would take pictures, he would interview them. So yeah, I don't think it's the size of your business. It's, it's your identity. So that's the ethos. Yeah. So you, you guys have seen this sort of insane meteoric rise in, in business, uh, in the past month. So what is, what is the next year, five years, 10 years, I guess, ideally uh, you can't project it, but ideally, what does it look like? What will you guys be building? How big can this become? And you know, what are you working on? Yeah, so my first prior priority right now is I need to hire more people <laughs> <laughs> in different departments to, you know, to help, help us scale the business. So, um, and I think, you know, people are the greatest asset. So uh, one of my um, main focus is to build a great culture. So a culture where people who want to be part of, um, they feel empowered, they feel passionate, they like to work at Utra. So, um, instead of, you know, everything else that that's my main priority. That's what matters to me. Um, and then obviously, uh, how do we help more merchants to, to onboard on our platform? How do we help them to, to sell more, to attract new buyers? Um, we haven't done a lot of work on buyers. So historically our main target was how do we get more customers, more merchants to adopt us, but more and more we're going to be focusing on how do we help customers educate their buyers um, as well. Um, so I think, yeah, the next year or two, it's about scaling, scaling people, scaling our products, um, helping merchants to, to sell more. Um, yeah. So it's simple, <laughs> simple answer. Growth, <laughs> growth and scale. Yeah. Right. So you, you guys know what you want to do. Now you just need to spread it and, and make it bigger, basically. That's great. That's great. Most companies don't have that. They like have this thing they're trying to build and this, you know, whatever. So I, you guys have a great business. It just needs to get bigger. So where can people follow you after this and keep up with what you trust is doing and you personally? Yeah, for sure. So you can join uh, the Utrust Telegram group. That's where we announce uh, most of the stuff we do, um, everything we do, actually. I'm um, in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, then obviously our website, then they can follow me on, on Instagram and, and Twitter. Uh, we are quite more vocal on Twitter, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, LinkedIn as well. So I, I know it kind of gets to here. I got to ask, what was it like meeting Kobe Bryant? Oh yeah, that that was amazing. That was he's really tall. He was really yeah, tall. super tall. And he speaks uh, good Italian as well. 
Yeah. Uh, he's, he's just an incredible person. I saw that. Yeah. He was very, very tall. I saw that picture of you with him. <laughs> That's so yeah, cool. And I, I, I never met Kobe. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had heels. Yeah. When I was a, a freshman in college, I went to the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, and that's where he played in high school. So he played like in our college stadium for his senior high school like tournament. So everybody, he was so famous already, even in high school. So we all went to see him play when he was 18 years old, but I never met him after. But he's really just one of my role models. I think he's just incredible. Yeah. And also, I have to say, so uh, totally separate um, you guys have been working on a solution for my newsletter personally to help me accept payments <laughs> and try to accept recurring payments, which would be so huge if we could, if we're working on and your team has basically found a way to do that, which I think, yeah. I think will change everything if people can subscribe to things and have a recurring subscription in crypto, or at least it reminds them immediately to pay again. Obviously, it can't draw from their wallet because of private keys, but your team has blown my mind working on that. So they're just amazing. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank yeah. you. Thanks yeah, for well, the feedback. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to everything that you guys have coming down the pipeline. Such an incredible company. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, update it in a year and see how many people you've hired and how many merchants you're at. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, if you're interested to working with us, uh, there is a career section uh, for there you. Any, uh, I, you know, we have very savvy uh, listeners, so this might you you might find some talent uh, talent here. So uh, we're gonna I'm gonna send them your way. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we review all the applications. So um, awesome. We'll be seen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. We're good. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. That's I really fun. enjoyed it. That was great. It was really fun. Thank you. Send, send Nuno my best. We send a lot of memes back and forth on Telegram. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. awesome. and, and, and like videos of our kids. <laughs> oh, you have kids? Yeah, I have a five and a half year old and a one and a half year old. And that's oh, how wow. Nuno and I kind of connected. He was like, oh, your kids are so cute. Then we started talking. You <laughs> must be very busy then. Yeah, very. Uh, I, I heard them. I, I was mute. I was muting the conversation every couple of times because I heard my son running around outside. Da, 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 da. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah, good, good. People expect it now, anyways, right? Anytime you do a Zoom call, they expect something to happen. Last week, my son ran in naked behind me. Uh, he's eighteen months. <laughs> like on a Zoom call, he was right here. Hilarious. All right, I know you need to go. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll uh, get in touch with you guys about when it's going to come out. I think next week, probably. Awesome. Thank you Thank so much. You.